Hi, this is Kimberly Kleiman Lee, executive coach, performance consultant, and host of the Do I Dare podcast. If you're a leader who wants to inspire, empower, and raise the leadership bar, then you have come to the right place, my friend. Here you will get access to powerful yet practical solutions that elevate your performance and dissolve roadblocks. Do you dare to lead in a way that moves the needle and scales the impact? Then let's do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Do I Dare podcast. I'm Kimberly Kleiman Lee, your host. Now, when it comes to leadership, do you have a philosophy about it? Would you know it if you saw it? Or more importantly, do you consider yourself to be one? When I worked at GE, we used to say that in addition to making aircraft engines and appliances, healthcare equipment, energy products, and more, we actually produced leaders leaders who would rise within the organization or who might be recruited outside of the company into extraordinary roles. It's so fun to see my friends and former colleagues be recognized for their talent and experience by landing big jobs at well-known companies. GE was quite intentional about that, developing leaders, I mean. There's a saying in HR circles that goes something like, what if I invest in all of my people and they leave? And of course, the counterpoint to that is, what if you don't invest in them and they stay? And that was GE's perspective when I worked there. At one point, we calculated our investment in leadership and development to be upwards of $1 billion. That's billion with a B. Our chief human resources officer, who I thought was the best of the best, would be asked how she calculated the specific ROI for that investment. And her unprecedented response was always, we just know it's the right thing to do. I loved that. And I couldn't have agreed more. There are a few companies who take leadership as seriously as GE. Almost weekly, outside companies and organizations would visit GE Crotonville's gorgeous campus in Osning, New York, the place I called my home office for seven years, to study our approach to leadership development. And I'll never forget one particular dialogue with a group of chief human resources officers from various companies. They met with myself and a few colleagues to talk about leadership and development and our approach to working with our most senior leaders. And one of the guests almost threw his hands up in the air in almost like calling uncle of sorts and said, well, of course, You have this strong culture of leadership. Look at this campus and the money that you invest in it and the size of your company and the global nature of it, almost throwing out reason after reason after reason as to why we had a strong culture of leadership and why his company did not. After careful thought, I gently tried to explain to him that Even though we have the campus and we have a very large size company, and of course it's global in nature, and we do invest quite a bit in our leaders, I really don't think that is the reason we have such a strong culture of leadership. Because what he didn't realize was less than 10% of all GE employees actually made it to that gorgeous campus in Ossining, New York. And many leadership development opportunities happen on the job and by being groomed by other leaders. So the best way I could explain it is that it's a philosophy, not a title or a place or even a 
responsibility of a learning and development organization. It truly was the way that GE leaders felt about their employee set. And I started calling it a leader in every chair. GE truly believes that a leader should be sitting in every chair in the company, which to translate simply means that no matter what your role, your title, your age, your experience, your hierarchy, your place in an org chart, your tenure, or your job function, you are expected to act as a leader. Now, my definition of that is something like um, it's the ability of an individual to find solutions, to create policy, to influence decisions, to give guidance, to improve a situation, to innovate products and services, make recommendations that move the organization closer to our ambition, anything that just leaves the place better than they found it by taking an active role and an interest in it, I think, is a leader. And that was, quite frankly, the expectation of every employee in the place. So for those who think they need a campus or a billion-dollar budget, it's really not like that because there are many companies who do have spectacular places in which to groom leaders and they fall short. It's just a way of being. So I thought I'd take an opportunity in this episode to talk about what it might mean to have a leader in every chair. What might be the expectations of those leaders and how might you, as leaders yourselves, try to groom that within your team, your department, your division, or certainly company-wide, if, if indeed you have uh, that level of influence. So here are five ways that you could start to create a leader in every chair for your organization. The first way is quite frankly, to make sure people know the business and really know the business, not all the ins and outs and details, depending again on where they sit in the org, but they need to know enough to be able to represent it properly. So things like, do they know how their particular role supports the function of the team? Do they know how the team supports the overall operation of the department or the business or the enterprise? Can they list the products and services that are offered by your company, the industries that you work in or support, the market that you play in, and the customers that you serve? I go for threes. Can they name the top three of any of the things I just mentioned? Can your people recite your company's top five business priorities this year, or maybe even their vision three years out? Can they read and interpret a company balance sheet, how you make money, what expenses you might have? Have they read your latest annual report, especially if you're a publicly traded company? If you're a private company, you have an equivalent to that. Many still have annual reports. It just might be formatted a little bit differently than, than others. When you do read the annual report, do they look at things like market influence? Do they look at non-financial performance indicators? Do they look at the high-level balance sheet to really understand how much money was made, how much money went out, and where the potential risks are? Just the high-level stuff. Can they actually talk about the business of your business? So knowing your business is the first thing I try to work with my teams on. Do you really understand how your company makes work and how they matter in their industry. 
The second thing to look for is a lifelong learner. So there are lots of different catchphrases for this. Bottom line is I want to know if they learn for life. Are they constantly trying to improve and better themselves? So the first caution is if you're only getting your news or you're learning from social media, might want to expand a bit beyond that. Because of course, as most of us know, social media is based on an algorithm and whatever you're clicking on or drawn toward is what you'll just get more of. I want to know that they can actually go out and seek information that might be very counter to how they understand the world to work. For those of you who are really curious about this concept of algorithms and social media, you might want to check out a movie. I think it's on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. It's a fascinating behind the scenes understanding as to how you are actually fed information that really just reinforces what you already believe, as opposed to challenging your thoughts and growing your perspectives to uh, be in best service of what you're trying to accomplish. So what you read, watch, listen to, learn from, or experience is critical to me as a leader of leaders. Do you read articles? Do you share those articles? Do you make meaning from those articles and apply them to your work? The easiest news source, I think, is something called Apple News Plus. So Apple News is, of course, a free app with all sorts of news feeds that you can um, you can get off of your Apple product. But Apple News Pro Plus used to be actually called Texture. So I've subscribed to it for, I don't know, five, seven years or so. Um, and it gives you access to over 300 different magazines. It used to be US only. Now they're sp spreading out. They're for sure in Europe, uh, South America. China, I think, is um, a bit spotty. So you're going to have to look regionally to see what's possible. But for about 10 US dollars every month, you can get access to just some incredible, incredible uh, sources of information. You can um, click what you want to uh, be notified of. You can create your own curated library of magazines, the things you want to read most often. You can forward articles to people from within Apple News Plus. Again, this is the subscription part of that news source. You can also subscribe to other news sources like New York Times, Wall Street Journal, that sort of thing, um, and then get all of your um, written format, written news, if you will, in one location. I love it. My husband loves it because I no longer have stacks of magazines all over the house. But again, it's a really powerful source. What's um, an even cooler option about this particular uh, app is that you can share one subscription with six family members. Um, and that gives them, of course, access to everything, including listening to that content um, in an audio format. Uh, and the ability to share uh, different articles back and forth. I'll put a link to the uh, app that I'm referring to in the uh, show notes, but definitely something I'd recommend you check out. I actually had my team at GE subscribe to Texture at the time, now Apple News Plus, um, as a, a way to, again, keep their minds open and keep them informed on things that were going on. Uh, full, full circle um, in terms of news and entertainment, uh, industry detail, uh, and so forth. I also recommend that you read books, both fiction and nonfiction. So articles are great, short, quick, 
give you a, a sense of something that hopefully you'll want to go in and, and dive in deeper to. But books are so much different, right? It's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Fiction gives you this great sense of of honing your creativity and innovation and allows you to dream a bit more and uh, really works that imaginary, uh, imaginative um, muscle, if you will. Nonfiction is there for just great information, perspective of how people have uh, gone through things in the past. It gives you an idea about history, an idea about best practices, uh, helps you understand the inside scoop of how something was accomplished. So uh, again, read articles, but also read books and dedicate yourself to that in whatever way possible. As a little tip, again, I'm an Apple gal. So um, I open the books app. And if there are books that I've heard about, read about, um, somebody mentions a book, I will actually open my books app and either save a sample or save a put on my read list so that I can remember that I heard about this book and go out and uh, procure it later. And most libraries these days have an online loaner program. I read most of my business books um, uh, in, in hard copy format, but my fiction books, I actually read um, electronically. I'd also rec from a, recommend from a learning perspective that you listen to uh, different sorts of, of news or information uh, resources. Podcasts, I think, are just all the rage these days. Hopefully, you believe the same if you're listening to this one. Um, they've re replaced radio programs in many ways, and they're topic-specific, and you can follow your favorites and take notes. And again, show notes are a great way to start to collect additional resources of your own. So my favorites are The Daily, Stuff You Should Know, Super Soul, Akimbo with Seth Godin, uh, Marie Forleo, uh, Amy Porterfield, uh, Simply Be with uh, Jessica Swag, whole bunch that, again, are just fantastic resources for just about every aspect of your life. And then, of course, from a learning perspective, workshops, conferences, seminars, uh, both those that support your industry, those outside of your industry, those that focus on leadership, uh, anywhere you can go to get exposed to not only new and different ideas, but new and different people who can, again, broaden your perspective of the world, I think are just so uh, incredible. COVID moved most of those things to an online format. And I have a feeling that many are going to continue to offer a version of it online and for a reduced cost. So take full advantage of the, um, the fact that they're trying to make this content available to more people in unique ways. Some of my favorite workshops and conferences and so forth are um, C2MTL. It stands for, I think it's when creativity meets commerce, and it happens out of Montreal, which is where the MTL comes from. South by South by Southwest, uh, Fast Company holds an annual, at least one uh, conference. Uh, World Economic Forum is another favorite of mine, just fascinating brilliance um, from all over the, the world. Aspen Ideas Festival, again, the greatest thinkers in the world come together to talk about different aspects, everything from global warming to leadership to meditation. Um, to new business practices, artificial intelligence, you name it, they talk about it. And lastly, in the learn for life category, really take some opportunities to learn about yourself. 
all sorts of online assessments are available for you to get started on. But you can even send off a simple email to your coworkers asking for their advice, their observations. Uh, I've had people send emails that are simply something like, uh, what do you think the three, um, the th- name three things that you think um, I do that are making me get in my own way? Or another option might be, what would you recommend I start doing, stop doing, or continue doing? All in the uh, name of me being a more influential leader in our company. So simple ways and more involved ways like assessments are all uh, great opportunities for you to get to know more about yourself uh, through the eyes of others. In addition to knowing your business and being a lifelong learner, there are some other things you can do to, again, continue to grow your influence and learn about your place in the world. And one of those is through building and maintaining valuable connections. So a lot of folks say network, so build a network. I think it's much more than that, though. I think it's having people in a network that you leverage regularly. And regularly is relative, of course, but these are people that you should be able to count on, learn from, um, send information to, exchange thoughts about, uh, maybe even share talent. It's about strategically building authentic connections that enhance your perspective, grow your value, and help you navigate the world at large. So you can have an internal network or group of connections like your function and your business colleagues and so forth. That's fine. That happens to be quite natural. But I would recommend you really focus on external. Um, I have some resources on KimberlyKlimanLee.com. If for those of you who are interested, I really believe in this external network concept. Um, People that you can have in your life that are constantly challenging your point of view. Whenever I coach executives, one of the things we talk about when it comes to preparing them for the next greatest role is tell me about your network. You know, who do you hang out with? Who do you spend time with? Who do you learn from? And I think folks should have people in their lives like um, uh, pastors and and clergy people, uh, people who come from a very religious perspective or spiritual perspective. I think you should have folks that live in other countries in your network, people who are affiliated with the government, authors and artists, scientists, professors, school teachers, real estate agents. Again, people who can help you understand how the world works through their unique lens. That's what helps us to grow and learn and stretch ourselves into being more accepting, more open, and certainly more engaging. So some people will say, well, I I don't really have much of a network and that will be a problem for them down the road. So really spend time getting to know and understand who's in your life influencing your perspectives and who might you need in your life to do the very same thing. So again, if for those of you who want to get a head start on that, just go to KimberlyKlimanLee.com forward slash connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T. Again, KimberlyKlimanLee.com forward slash connect, and you'll get um, connected, literally, <laughs> no pun intended, to a series of resources that will help you get started on building a robust network. The next way that I sometimes um, describe this this path toward leadership is in the way in which folks will solve problems. I call it the one, two, three ratio. 
quite simply, it's for every one problem, I want the person posing the problem to me to offer two suggestions with three supporting data points. So one, two, three, quite simple. In essence, um, and this was a, a, a concept that I learned quite early at GE. It was kind of just the way everyone worked there. You never, ever, ever bring a problem to a leader, to your superior, if you will, without at least two suggestions on what you might recommend be done to solve for this problem and a description of how you plan on being involved in that solution. So again, for every one problem, offer two suggestions with three supporting data points. Why data points? Because they really want to want to know that you understand this is a problem based on evidence as opposed to just conjecture or um, thoughts or opinions. So that just starts to strengthen that muscle um, that helps them understand that you know how to critically think, you know how to take in multiple um, multiple inputs and form an opinion that could lead to a, a repair or a solution or a turnaround situation. So again, the one, two, three ratio for every one problem offer two suggestions with three supporting data points. One of the best lessons I learned super early in my 20 years at GE. Lastly, act the part. So, so far we've talked about leaders. And again, a leader in every chair means every employee of your company should know your business. They should know the ins and outs of your business. They should be lifelong learners, constantly trying to improve themselves and grow their understanding of the world and their place in it. They should have a network, people that they can lean on and certainly folks that they can give back to. They should know how to approach solving challenges with this one, two, three ratio for every one problem, two suggestions, and three data points should be accompanying it. This act the part is a bit of a kitchen sink category, but it's, it's, you'll know it when you see it. It's kind of the summary of this particular segment. For example, leaders make the news. They don't just report the news. They have an opinion. They give recommendations. They take risks. They act the part. Again, they're trying to move the company toward its goals and ambitions. In order to do that, they need to be well-informed, well-read, have good judgment, all these recommendations that I've been giving you are all connected, as you can imagine. So during your next report out, let's say you're giving a presentation or you're in a meeting with a team, pay attention to the way you end your update. Do you say things like, well, that's all I have, or that's all we have time for? Or do you say things like, based on our progress, I think we could take a risk here and fill in the blank. Or Based on the data, I'd recommend that we eliminate the XYZ and increase our capacity for ABC. In doing so, we could save fill in the blank. And lastly, you could offer a suggestion like, with your support, I'd like to coordinate a meeting with Sue, Jose, and Clara to explore this idea further. Any objections? So just this simple concept, no matter where you sit in the organization, will help your leaders understand that you're willing to do your part to take charge and move the needle, no matter what the topic, how small or how large, 
It's a great grooming ground to help you prepare for roles of greater influence. Leaders who act the part also share and help. They come at work from a place of abundance, not scarcity. This was a bit hard for me in the beginning, but I definitely got the sense of this as I just practiced more and I could see the benefits and bonus to behaving with that mindset. Too often I see junior employees or quite frankly, peers try to become senior level employees by protecting, hoarding, withholding, excluding, or ignoring people or information or circumstances. And they thought that there was only room for one at the top. And again, I've fallen victim to this myself, but most often that is absolutely not the case. And by sharing, informing, including, bringing in, and generally making sure that you have a collaborative spirit about you, you'll find that indeed you are acting the part of a leader. Leaders also model for and organize peers around this concept. So not only to to have yourself do it and be reminded to do it, but to have others do it around you. And lastly, to act the part means you really need to manage your calendar. I've talked about this a number of times in previous podcasts. You need to protect your time. You're getting paid for your time. And for folks who are leader-like, they get this, they protect their time, and they spend it on high-value items. If I'm in a meeting or working on a project, and I sense that there's not the same level of commitment there should be, or we aren't necessarily getting the attention and resources that we need to be, I'll often pause and say, let's just take a second here. Who really, at the end of the day, cares about this work? Who cares if this report gets done? Who will miss this project if we take it off of our weekly agenda? Give the the team a chance to talk about and talk through that answer. And if the answer is robust enough, we carry on. If we're really struggling to find an answer that satisfies everybody, that might be our our reason to uh, sunset the project, the report, or the meeting. So you see, being a leader is about personal power, not just position power. Position power is very kind of old school, if you will. Now, some companies that still operate with a bit of hierarchy, and GE is definitely one of them, will understand position power in a different way. But what you'll also understand is that personal power is what gets the work done. Personal power happens to be power with humans. Position power is power over humans. So think about it as if you have a certain title, certain parking spot, certain type of office, you sit um, in an office that has mahogany wood. The rest of us sit in an office that has uh, drywall. So position power is oftentimes noted by the, um, the artifacts around that person the words on a business card. Personal power is all about acting the part. It's about making sure you're informed, bringing up suggestions and opinions, bringing your peers and colleagues along, offering ways to do something better, managing your time in ways that bring value. That's what personal power 
gets you, which ultimately leads to influence. So in today's episode, I talked about really this concept of having a leader in every chair and building a culture and an expectation of your employees that gets them to think about themselves as leaders. Again, not just people who lead other people, but people who lead projects, who lead markets, who lead products, who lead issues, and of course, those who lead people. So a leader in every chair means that they know the business. They are self-proclaimed lifelong learners, and it shows they have invaluable connections, both inside and outside of your organization. They know that whenever they present a problem, they're going to offer at least two suggestions with supporting data for it, and they act the part. For those of you who want more, again, check out the show notes uh, attached to this particular episode. But for now, go out there and lead your best, stay informed, and we'll connect next week. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the Do I Dare podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. And we'd love to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn. Share a topic of interest or a struggle that's top of mind for you. We'll give you a shout out on a future podcast. And for more information about Do I Dare and all things leadership, visit KimberlyKlymanLee.com, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and stay tuned for exclusive content access to the tools and resources you need to lead.